0: This week on The Big Show, we'll discuss the results of the Golden Globes and preview the Critics Choice Awards taking place this weekend. In addition, Shereen Nicole will join us to discuss the after-effects of surviving R. Kelly, and we'll discuss the first new major release of the year, the remake The Upside. Plus, we'll have movie news with Blackfilm.com's Wilson Morales, all on the latest episode of Keeping It Real with Film Gordon. Let's go. Love. Let's talk about love. Is it anything and everything wrong? any further ado, let's go to New York, and Wilson Morales, blackfilm.com's editor-in-chief joins us. What's going on, Wilson? Uh, not much. I understand you got some heavy stuff going on right now.
1: Right now, cast for uh, some of the films that our winners at this week's MBR Awards, as well as the New York Film Critics Circle Awards. We nice, so have nice, the cast nice. of Roma here, the cast of uh, Buster Scruggs as well as the director, Paul Greengrass, from 22 July, and uh, a few other their filmmakers and cast.
0: <laughs> All right, nice, nice, nice. So we're in the middle of award week, and you and I are going to be hanging out this weekend out of the Critics' Choice, and so we're going to preview that a little later on. Uh, so let's get your impressions first of the Golden Globes, over uh, uh, which happened earlier this week, man. Talk to me about any surprises. Uh, what did you think?
1: Uh, you know, it's the Golden Globes mostly foreign people, right? <laughs> as we have to say in layman's terms. So they, you know, it, there were no really surprises there. I actually do know. There was. Bohemian Rhapsody. I don't think anybody thought it would win Best Picture Drama over A Star is Born. You know, so, but it's not so much of a surprise knowing that, you know, the movie has done this very, very well overseas. It's nearly, I think, over $600 million in total. You know, so that was a surprise. Everything else pretty much went. As uh, At least the way I saw it, Regina won her award, Regina King for Steel Street Could Talk, as well as Mahershala Ali for Green Book. Um, I thought the favor would, uh, would prevail considering Green Book has been going through some controversy lately, but they seem to override that. we still got a lot to go. Obviously, this weekend's Critics' Choice Awards would narrow things down, and I don't know if you just noticed. They just announced the DGA nominees, which include Spike Lee, Bradley Cooper, Peter Farrelly. Adam McKay, and Yorgis, the director of The Favorite.
0: Oh, nice, nice, nice. So it looks like Spike Lee, man, is going to get a ride this year. Looks like it.
1: Well, yeah, it looks like he's going to finally go legitimately to the dance. You know, a couple of years ago, he was honored. He was given an honorary Oscar for his years in the business. This time, you know, in his quote-unquote comeback year, he's going to take that film to greater heights because it's just not him. It's the screenplay. It's the actors. It's the film itself. So, you know, and hopefully we can get more than just the black clans, man. I'm hoping, you know, I'm pulling for Black Panther as well. It's going to be street to talk.
0: Now, earlier this week, I did an interview where uh, there was a lot of disappointment, man, at the uh, at the results of the Golden Globes because Black Panther didn't get any love. And I had to explain how special 2018 was with the five films with black directors. We're also talking about uh, four potential Best Picture nominees, uh, which will be announced later on in the month. Uh, would you agree with me that for people who are so in on Black Panther that they need to take a look at the larger picture of African Americans in film or black films? Oh,
1: yeah. yeah, go ahead. You know, Black Panther set it off, obviously. You know, and having you know that do so well just told other people you should check out all these other movies. Considering we had more than twenty five films released in theaters by black directors, and we had films that involved large ensemble casts
0: nice nice I agree with you man so you know for all of the people out there who uh, may be a little disappointed or disenchanted because they don't think that uh, Black Panther really has any shot I told them that I think Ruthie Carter is really going to be in play uh, as well as the score and song categories and best picture I mean nominees so we'll see man so I'm not going to hold you Wilson because I know what's going down on these events Um, I look forward (laughs) to seeing you this weekend uh, so we can chop it up and, uh, you know, and I'll be in touch, man. You go ahead on a do you and yeah. I will definitely reach out to you or we will talk, we'll touch bases, man, before the show on Sunday.
1: Okay. I'll see you over the weekend. Let's hope for the back.
0: <laughs> All right, my brother, you take care, man. I'll see you soon.
1: Take
0: care. All right. Of course, that was Wilson Morales from blackfilm.com who joins us at the top of every show. I'm now going to bring on uh, show correspondent and associate producer, Charles Kirkland. Charles, um, First things first, man, we got to get you in the BFCA because, um, you know, man, I hate I hate that you don't get a chance to share in some of this stuff. man. I'm not being funny. I'm just saying I'm being real that it would be cool if you could come out and hang
2: out this year. I would would love I mean, I could still come and hang out, but I just couldn't, you know, be at the show. Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) Look, look,
0: yeah, pretty much. Um, You know you got a plus one. I always have a plus one. (laughs) Um, I I call my plus one the photographer. Okay. Because basically I'm going to be... Cheezing and taking shots. This year, this year, I said, I was just talking to a a friend of mine. I said, I'm going to have to talk to my photographer about adding a a video element because I want you to... To get shots of me, <laughs> but hey, I'm I'm saying this and I'm laughing, but it is a lot of fun. I mean, it's it, you know because basically. There are people who that we've interviewed during the year that you'll see, and it's mm-hmm. good to catch up with people. And like, like for instance, you know the cast of Beale Street will be there. Yeah. You know, I've had a chance in the past to talk to Spike Lee, Kevin Wilmot, who did our show early this year. Is going to be there because Black Klansman is nominated oh, for right? Best Picture. Right. So there'll be there'll be friends of mine that will be there that we can hang out. With. And plus, Wilson's in the house. I think Travis, Travis Hobson said he's yeah, going yeah, this year. Yeah. Nell Minnow normally goes. So there's a bunch of people who have done this show who will be at this award show. And this one is special, I will say, because you don't go and cover the Critics' Choice Awards. You go to the Critics' Choice Awards, <laughs> which which is a huge
2: distinction. Yeah, yeah, um, because uh, you you get to sit down and you talk to people and oh, smooth and... Talk, exp, have an experience Versus you know I gotta write down What I thought of this And who who did th- this And that and the other So well, I'm
0: looking forward to it Well I think I don't know if I told this story Last year The funniest story From last year Was of course Get Out was the big movie Right And you know Last year CW Which is the network That it will air on I think it airs 8 o'clock Eastern On Sunday This coming Sunday night Really I think okay. Um, so I remember last year, CW. Uh, there was their first year sponsoring, so they had this lavish uh, sponsorship set up with Yogurtland, and they had like a huge Yogurtland kind of uh, setup. In there, like you know, like a pop-up, right? So, is yogurt like like
2: frozen yogurt, or is it
0: just well, regular okay, yogurt? Get okay. To that. <laughs> I thought, I thought that it was yogurt. Okay. What we later discovered is that it was ice cream, right? There you go. Now, the reason why I'm telling this story is because this this display or this pop-up was so was so uh, well received that not just journalists and all of the attendees were getting in line to get ice cream but the stars were in line too so I'm standing in line and I'm like you know waiting and I turn around and Ian McShane is standing behind me and I'm like you don't really have anybody that can get you some yogurt And he was like Nah, man. Like, like, if you know Deadwood and yeah, that. No, I couldn't find... (laughs) (laughs) All right, bro. The the other second part of that, which Jessica will probably love this, is I got... I had a guest last year who said I want some yogurt, so I go get some yogurt, and they gave out these huge spoons, right? So Mm -hmm. you had this little cup and these big spoons. And as I'm walking back to my table, I see Daniel Kaluuya. Okay, starve get out and he's Tell talking to didn't. somebody I think I told you this story and I'm standing behind the person and I got the spoon going in a circle around, around, around the... my Sunday cup right? so he sees me and he starts laughing right so this publicist races over to me enough with the spoons
1: <laughs> like
0: wait, wait what? Like, what is your he... no problem like, yeah. <laughs> so we have a lot of fun and of course Wilson Morales I really wish you could see Wilson in action At these shows Because Wilson knows everybody So Wilson just Run the table to table (laughs) (laughs) Wilson is like What's up? Click, click, click And you keep it moving Blackfilm.com in the house (laughs) Blackfilm.com This is Phil Gordon I'm like What's up? (laughs) So We have a lot of fun man, At the Critics' Choice Awards And it's almost like A family reunion Because the same Group of journalists Are there every year All of the members Kevin McCarthy's out there From Fox 5 So You know We have a lot of fun And that's why I said It would be nice At some point If we can Get more of the member critics of WAFCA into the Broadcast Film Critics Association. It's coming. It's coming. I I believe it. I believe it. Yeah, I made sure to cover my butt last night because they was like, "Uh, if you have not paid your dues... You are not getting a ticket, <laughs> so I sent the check last night. I was like, "What's up? I'm, you are not going to embarrass in the house. me." I'm in the I house. show up and be like, "Wait, no, Tim, Tim, Gordon? Tim no, no? Uh, no. Uh, not on the no. list." Okay. We have right. Charles Kirkland in your place.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, man. So as you can see, we're having fun, man. It's a, it's award season. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit, as I said at the top. We're going to talk about the uh, talk later on about the Golden Globes, and also look at the uh, Critic Choice Award nominees. Because um, they're two very different animals Oh, they absolutely are And yeah. the Academy yeah. Awards, I mean, those are all different animals Because it's not just different branches of voters But well, basically that's what it is, yeah. it's different branches of voters And, um, <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, so we, we got a lot of stuff coming up, man But I am really, really excited uh, Next week, and we're not going to do it until next week That we have to talk Sundance Um, I literally went on earlier this week because uh, for anybody who tries to understand what it is that journalists do at Sundance, once you are accepted, you will start getting emails from various publicists whose films are representing the films that Mm -hmm. are going to be in the market that they're going to sell at Sundance during the festival. Right. The other thing that they do. Or, or, or another option that they have, it's another thing they do. Another option that they have for journalists is that you, if you are general press, you have access to 10 tickets or quote unquote 10 premieres that you okay. can go to, okay. right? So you have to do, I always tease people like the first year you go to Sundance, it's like taking L it's like studying for the SATs. <laughs> it's it's that intense because you have a grid that has your press and industry schedule right. but then they have a general, general schedule press. and mm-hmm. then they have a premiere schedule like when they show uh. all of the movies so if you're gonna get premiere tickets you've gotta in order to maximize you got to figure out, and do the math on what movies you're going to see as P&I's and, and then where are there are gaps that you can go to premieres. And then if you've got gaps going to premieres, you've got to also remember that maybe I want to go to some parties. So I intentionally leave mm. Friday and Saturday light, which means that I usually only do four movies. I'll go to probably about three or four movies on Friday and Saturday, so I want to hang out mm. and then pack the rest of the week with five movies a day. Then that's not counting. If man, maybe I want to interview some people. Right. So I always tell people, and, and I'm telling the audience this that, that what kind of goes into the thinking of how we do this is that you got to understand going in what's my Sundance experience. Am mm. I going for interviews? Am I going for parties? Am I going for panels? Am I going, Am I going to watch movies? But because you can't necessarily you can't do, do, them do them all. all. Yeah. So so I made the decision years ago that we put a lot of the interviews unless. You know, it's a it's, it's a huge film, that I think, like for instance, Native Son. They're rebooting mm-hmm. the Native Son, the Richard Wright, nineteen fifty one novel. Uh, Bigger Thomas, I think uh, the 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 middle guy in Moonlight. I forget what his name is. Ashton Sanders is the star of the mm-hmm. new Native Son. Uh, there's okay. a film called Clemency. So we're gonna go through yeah, Cle- a lot of these uh-huh. films next week um, so there's a huge amount of uh, there's a large number of films oh. that um, so these aren't these aren't necessarily the movies that we were
2: anticipating that we talked about uh, last show but things that may be really out there out there in the radar, radar you're saying
0: well I think the thing that's interesting because initially I was I was I thought that Sundance this year wasn't as strong as it has been in other years. What it's missing, I think, is a lot more star power. In the in the past uh, you had more star power at Sundance, but I can't really discount the films without having watched them. Right, right. So like like going in, I'm like, eh, you don't have this big actor or this big actress or this big filmmaker. But what you still are gonna have are really engrossing and very good films. So I'm yeah. hoping uh, to call in in a couple of weeks when I'm at Sundance that I'll be able to talk about you know this is what I'm seeing now of course you're going to be doing the show you're hosting the show in a couple of weeks right? Yes All right. So, if and you'll, you'll have be, me Oh man please Jessica <laughs> says she's not working with anybody else but you so but <laughs> I'll tell you what we're going to do we're going to get ready to get up out of here and take a break we're going to have more of this because we're going to talk Sundance next week but we need to come back. Uh, we've got to talk about... Uh, Critics' this. Choice and... Well, Nolan we got to talk about this, it. but it's, it's about Surviving, surviving Art, Art, Art Kelly. Kelly. <laughs> yes! we got to talk about that. Shereen Nicole from Adobe Radio is going to be back with us momentarily. Uh, you guys are listening to Keeping It Real with Film, Gordon. And we'll be right back. Oh. Welcome back to keeping it real with film Gordon coming up a little later on in the show uh, I'm going to take some time to talk about the upside and also contrast it with the 2011 film The Intouchables. so we'll talk about that a little later on but right now over this past weekend Lifetime TV premiered a six part miniseries on musician producer songwriter R. Kelly The series was called Surviving R. Kelly, and it went into detail about the various allegations that have gone on over the last 20 years. It included, uh, and when I say allegations, I'm talking about sexual allegations, uh, allegations about pedophilia. It featured many of the survivors, I won't call them victims, the survivors of him, as well as updates on some people who are still in the alleged sex cult, um, I only could think of one person that I wanted to come bring on the show to talk about this. And Shereen Nicole from Adobe Radio is that person. You've heard her here. We've had her on as a frequent uh, contributor. She's also a trusted colleague and a woman who's, you know, her counsel I really respect. Shereen Nicole, welcome to the show.
3: Thank you, Commissioner Gordon. I'm
0: happy to be here. <laughs> <laughs> Shireen and I had a, a long conversation about uh, surviving R. Kelly yesterday, and I did not know before I called you that you had some level of a connection to this story. Share your recollections to the best of your knowledge, Shereen.
3: Well, uh, what I had shared with you is that at the time that R. Kelly started his career, I was living in the suburbs of Chicago, which means I was in high school. <laughs> um, but, but around that time, um, he actually married a classmate of mine. So Andrea and I went to high school together in the suburbs of Chicago. But, um, you know, I was, of course, in that area when he married Aliyah at the age of 15. And um, through knowing a lot of people who came up there after me, I know of a lot of people who were there in high school when he was doing something they called patrolling the schoolyard, which means that R. Kelly was at high schools in the Chicago area daily when the school bell rang. So let
0: me just ask a question uh, just to, to give you some context. R. Kelly at this time, I'm doing the math, was about 27 or 28 around this time?
3: Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, around the time that the, the women that I was talking to, the, they were not, well, they were young women. They were, um, because his preference seems to be somewhere between 13 and 15, which I feel horrified even saying that. Um, but that seems to be the, the, the young women that he targets. So, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Cause he, yeah, so cause
0: been, he, he, married, he married Aaliyah at 27. So yeah, go ahead.
3: Yeah. So he's, you guys, he's been doing this for a very, very long time. A lot of people, you know, word of mouth were warning young women against him because nothing was being done to stop him. And even all the way up until the, um, I won't call it a sex tape, but the statutory rape tape where um, he was assaulting that young woman, even then people still weren't willing to turn their backs. I mean, this is a man that started calling himself the Pied Piper, belligerently kind of flaunting the fact that he could take your children away with his music. This is not a... You know, a lot of people think it's someone trying to take a black man down. No, this is a criminal, and he has been a criminal for a very long time.
0: Well, yeah, I shared with you after watching all six one-hour episodes yesterday that I had to have a very long conversation with uh, one of my closest friends, and we talked about this. And while I may have heard the rumors, because I was in the radio industry when all this was happening in the late or, you know, the mid-'90s going into, like, the early 2000s, and I remember we covered the story of what you do. You, you talk about the tape, which is the statutory rape on tape. Um, yeah. And at the time, you know, between the Aaliyah situation and that, from looking in, we, we had an idea that something wasn't right, but people continued to play his music. He continued to put music out. And I think, you know, now looking back in hindsight, you can say a lot of people probably enabled his behavior because his behavior was, was bringing in big dollars. Would you agree?
3: Yeah, I think that he was a cash cow, to bring back that term, for a lot of people. And unfortunately, far too many people, because of the way our society is constructed, far too few people actually do not view sexual assault as assault. They view it as sex. And when they think of it as sex, they think, oh, it's not that bad. They're wrong. It is an assault on someone's person that affects their their mental health, their physical health for a very long time. So people need to recognize this is a crime, but people don't do that. And then when you're talking about committing a crime against young black women, people recognize it even less. Mm.
0: All right, we're online with Shireen Nicole from Adobe Radio. Shireen, uh, remember yesterday when we were talking about this in our prep session that I brought up Jerry Lee Lewis, uh, probably m- maybe thirty years or forty years before R. Kelly, uh, famously uh, as a in his twenties, married not just an underage girl who was thirteen years old, but she was his cousin, mm-hmm. and yeah. the the scandal that that ensued. Um wow I so so this whole fascination with with older men and younger women isn't a new phenomenon and it's not a phenomenon that is just purely a music phenomenon we see it in film all the time where you see these really kind of senior men marrying these really young women and it always just always looks odd to me
3: Yeah it's it's um Well, I mean, when you're talking about a woman, you know, and we can say, I don't know how you judge the age, but if you say it's 18, okay, fine. You have a a man that's 40, uh, a 40 years old, a woman that's 20, she's a woman. Mm -hmm. But when you're talking about 13 years old, you are taking advantage of someone. You even, you know, even, that's why they call it statutory rape. Even if they give what they feel is consent, it's, they're, they're, you know, they're being preyed upon by you. You're, 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 it's it's a crime. I I don't know quite how to say it, but it is a crime. Has it been going on for a very long time? Yeah, and even with Jerry Lee Lewis, the scandal was more about her being his cousin than about her being 13.
0: So, you know, so... Oh, go ahead, go
3: ahead. No, look, I was going to say, and we see it in books like Lolita... Um, This is a thing that's been going on for a very long time, and I think that it's always been a crime, um, but it hasn't always been considered one. And, And that's what we're here with with R. Kelly. But, I mean, this is a serial statutory rape. We're talking more than two decades here.
0: Yeah, I would put him, you know, him. Uh, Donald Trump has been accused of someone who's who's kind of been a culprit over that amount of time. Harvey Weinstein, of course. Bill. Dr. Cosby was another one. Yeah. Um, we talked yeah. about this yesterday. And it's funny because Charles Kirkland, who's in studio, with me, brought this up. If you have. Hi, Charles. Hey, Shereen. How's it going? If you have if you have a, a white guy who is accused of, of perpetrating sexual assault against white women, he might go to jail, right? In the case of a Harvey Weinstein. Yeah. If you have an well, African American man,
3: running
0: for <laughs> right, right, or <laughs> right. right, or if you have an African American man who's accused of raping a woman who's white, he goes to jail. He goes to, automatically, he goes to jail automatically. But if you have a black man accused of sexually assaulting African American young girls, apparently, you know, like you said, they, they, you know, slap him on the wrist and keep it moving. And I don't understand why. At this point, after all of this damning evidence, I'm assuming that something's going to be reopened because they're still in pursuit of justice for Robert Kelly.
3: Well, well, I think that what is really scary is that what what this R. Kelly case shows is that if you don't stop a criminal, they escalate.
2: Yes. He, it,
3: he kept getting worse. And that now we're at the part where we're talking about kidnapping and and uh, cult behavior, and this is what happens when you when we say, "Oh, it's not that bad," and we don't put an end to it.
2: I kind of, and ac- so, I, yeah. I kind of yeah. Yeah. to to the. Was, Rafal- oh, go
3: ahead, Charles. I'm sorry.
2: Back in D.C., we used to have Rayful Edmonds, who was a clear drug dealer. But because he kind of drug kingpin, drug kingpin, yes, and because he did so many wonderful things for people in the neighborhood, people excuse his behavior, and and it seems like the same tale is that because oh, because he does great music, he puts money into the community. We're going to go ahead and turn a blind eye to all these ills that he has, and these these this criminal behavior that he perpetrates because, you know, on the other hand, he does so many good songs. We like to step in the name of love. And it, it's just ridiculous that someone who who's, as, as, like you said, has escalated to this level, there's been nothing that's been done about it. And, and, you you know, know, they let him
3: off. He's a, he's you a, know, the, as you guys said, the juror admitted to letting him off because he didn't like the girl.
0: Yeah, he yeah. said that uh, he didn't like, you know, but in hindsight, he, he wishes he had made another decision. But at the time, that was uh, his decision. But there were a lot of really interesting nuggets in it, including uh, Sparkle, who was a singer who did a duet with R. Kelly, probably in 1998, telling the story that the I girl. That, yeah, the girl. in Did you, you say you know her?
3: No, I do not know her, but I remember that duet.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah so yeah. That her niece was the one that was on the tape. Uh, with R. Kelly. So she, of course, was really kind of distraught because not only did she, she, did her family fail to support her, but they, they became estranged. She had to put her career on hold. Um, so there's a lot of damage. And, you know, people think, like you said earlier, that sexual assault is just sex. No, in a case like this, we understand that there are so many lives that were damaged uh, over the course and still continue to be uh yeah. despite what the but what what we've just witnessed um i i felt horrible watching it and as i shared with everybody once you see something like that it's hard to unsee it it just is
2: and and the the other th- the other part of it is he's a predator and predators have people say well why hasn't he been prosecuted why hasn't he, why has he gotten away with this it's because as a predator you know like a, when a lion see, seeks a prey he, he a prey he looks and he sees the weaknesses of the things that that are the things that he can exploit the people he can exploit and so he, that same nature he pre, preys on these girls he he doesn't pick the intelligent most intelligent ones he picks the ones that he knows that he can get away with things with and that's why uh, you know you got parents who can't find their children it, it's just it's just ridiculous it's just ridiculous
3: and even if there are, they are intelligent, I don't think, I, because I agree with most of what you said, but I don't think it's even intelligent. He's choosing our most vulnerable vulnerable women. Yes. He's taking young girls who are dazzled by the light of his persona and his fandom and his money and what he can offer, and he's telling them that they're beautiful and he's going to take care of them. And this seems like the dream that women have been taught to go after, this print. It's coming in, mm. and you're the bell of the ball, yeah, anybody could succumb to that kind of seduction, but especially these thirteen to fifteen year old young women,
0: yes, wow, so yeah, if you haven't had an opportunity, I'm assuming that lifetime is going to have this been thing been on, on I- encore. It's on
2: repeat and oh repeat my god man,
0: wow <laughs> i it, uh, fortunately for me, I will say. I can only watch it one time. That's that's it. I, I will not be going back to revisit that. <laughs> that that once was enough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but but let me ask you because we got less than a minute to go, Shireen. Uh, and I guess for you, I already know what the answer is. That you know you've been on mute, R. Kelly, now for like ten years, if not longer. More. Um. More, how yeah. does it? How does it affect people who try to listen to that music now, man? Knowing these horrific stories that went into the creation of that art.
3: Well, I can only speak for myself, but at, at the point where the, the statutory rape tape came out and he started calling himself the Pied Piper of r and B, I I realized how sick this man was. And for me, for my psyche and for my health, I stopped listening. I got rid of all of his CDs. I stopped taking it in. I stopped giving him money because I feel like what we have to understand is that when you buy his records, when you go to his concert, you are funding his criminal activity. Yeah. You may not see it that way, but you are funding it. You are giving him the means to go out there and go after more young girls because those are his tools. As Charles said, those are his predatory tools. And so I stopped because I couldn't do it. I, I was on a family bus on a trip. Sometimes they play R. Kelly, and rather than – You know, and I do tell people how bad he is, but rather than ruin the moment, I just, I put on my headphones, Mm. but in other moments, I am constantly telling people, R. Kelly is a predator and a criminal, stay well away from him.
0: All right. And you have the final word, Shereen, Nicole, before we let you go, how can people, uh, give them information on how they can listen to you on Adobe radio.
1: Well,
3: um, on Adobe Radio, it is I-D-O-B-I. You can go through the portal of the website to find three of our stations. It is all Alternative Rock. You can also find me on a show on Adobe Radio, our main station, that is called Geek Girl Riot, and there we get geeky and talk about all kinds of issues.
0: Uh, I'm still waiting for my first invite to Geek Girl Riot, but that's another story. Uh, We'll talk about that. (laughs)
3: You are welcome.
0: <laughs> Shereen, Nicole, it is always a pleasure. Love talking to the lighter you. Uh, let the darker you know what's up.
3: Well, I want to talk about the untouchables because I didn't know that was a segment of conversation.
0: Oh, well, that's coming up later. I mean, you're always welcome to call back in.
3: <laughs> All right, let me know. But I will let Shayna, the darker me, know that she is appreciated.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right, Shereen. I appreciate you, dear.
3: Thank you so
0: much. I'll talk with you guys soon. All right. Take care. That is Shereen Nicole, of course, of Adobe Radio. and, And that's referencing her sister. They have the exact same features and face, except one's light, one's dark. I just thought it was amazing when I saw it. We're going to take a break right now. We're going to come back and talk about uh, awards, more award news, with the Golden Globes recap, as well as previewing the Critics' Choice Awards. You guys keep it where you got it. You're listening to Keeping It Real with Film Gordon here at 96.3 HD4, and we'll be right back.
3: Hey, this is Kiki Lane, and you're listening to The Big Show, Keeping It Real with Film Gordon.
1: i mm-hmm.
0: All right, welcome back to Keeping It Real with Film Gordon. You know, that last conversation we had about uh, surviving R. Kelly, I'm still, oof, that was, that was rough. That was rough last week. It's, it's a
2: harsh topic.
0: All right. Well, coming up uh, next segment, we're going to talk about uh, the new film, The Upside, probably the first major release of 2019. But right now, we're in the middle of award season. And last week, uh, the Golden Globes were given out. We previewed them here on last week's show, so we will go a little more in detail. For the most part, Charles, I would say that the awards went the way I thought they would go. We, You remember we did last week's yes, Who yes, Should Win, Who right, Will right. Win. Of course, there is always unpredictability when you're talking about the Hollywood foreign press. <laughs> and of course, the, the fact that uh, Bohemian Rhapsody won Best Motion Picture Drama. And uh, Ronnie won for the best. Well, actor, I was doing, drama no, too. no, 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 we get into that. Well, I was just saying, Green Book wins for best motion picture musical and comedy. Which, using conventional awards uh, thinking that these now will become front runners, I don't agree with that. That both of these films are going to be front runners, I still think that Green Book. Uh, seeing it several months ago, that it's the sort of film that I think was Academy-friendly as the kind of movie that they would really like to see be a Best Picture yeah. winner. Um, we will see, because as I said, I still think there's some major problems with this movie uh, politically, and we will go a little more into detail with that in our upcoming segment. Uh, Robbie Malik pulling it out for uh, Best Actor over Bradley Cooper was a surprise to me now. I mean, I understand that there's the Queen element and Hollywood Foreign Press loves stars and they love, you know, pizzazz and glitz. Uh, So Queen, there were members of Queen that were in the room. So I'm not saying that that played a part in it, but, you know, perhaps. But I I honestly was surprised that Bradley Cooper nor Lady Gaga won. Uh, They gave it, of course, to uh, Glenn Close. Which is actually a really good choice. I thought she was probably the the person we talked about last week.
2: Last week, I said that she probably should have been the winner. I
0: said it too. I said, but but Gaga would probably win it because of the Hollywood Foreign Press. So I was surprised that they got that right. Um, (laughs) Of course, Regina King and Mahershala Ali both took home supporting uh, Actor and Actress Awards, which is consistent with what we've seen throughout uh, the, the, the regional critic season. So I absolutely believe that both of them are front runners and I still believe that both of them are going to to win the Oscar this year. Uh, There were a lot of people, and you heard us earlier in the show talking to Wilson Morales about this disappointment around Black Panther and I said, hey, man, you guys got to understand what the game is, man. Like, you know, Dave Chappelle says all the time, come on, baby, it's the game. <laughs> <laughs> and basically because a movie made $700 million and one point three at the box office does not equate with it winning a major award. You got to look right. at it, at the, right. the genre that it's in, it's a, uh, a superhero film. Um, I think the victory, honestly, I'm not being funny, the victory for Black Panther, would be getting an Oscar nomination for Best Picture, Which to, is to, to be no on that gets, stage because none no, has ever no, done no it one before. Has ever done that? Yeah, right, so, right, right. Yeah. So nobody's ever done it before. Also, if you well, right. except for
2: you know Heath Ledger.
0: No, no, well, no, no, uh, no. But, no, no, talk, but you're the talking film about Black, didn't Black, get nominated. Black, the Best
2: Picture, you're yeah, correct, d- correct. Dark
0: Knight didn't get nominated, and that's what created this this huge the uh, 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 chasm mm-hmm. that we have right now that we now have the Best Picture race now expanded from 5 to 10 and because of what happened to
2: Dark Knight. And for some reason, they still don't do 10 at the Oscars. They yeah, they like always do 9. nine.
0: Yeah, I was, I, I've never understood <laughs> that either. But but anyway, I'm, I think I still go back to saying that I think the victory for Black Panther this year because I, I don't see a path that Black Panther can win no. Best Picture, but I would love to see Black Panther be on that stage and be in the room. Yes. And I think that... Green Book, Black Klansmen, and The Beale Street Can Talk. Join Black Panther. You would have four of the possible nine nominees. It, it, it just goes to speak to something you've never seen before, which means that on the night that they walk the red carpet, there's the cast of Black Panther, there's the cast of Beale Street Can Talk, there's the cast of Black Klansmen, and hopefully there's the cast of Gr- Green, Book. Green Book. So you would be seeing history in the making in a major way. And remember... When it comes to progress, progress doesn't happen overnight. It takes a while in order to build to a thing. And that's what I think we've seen. Um, I, I and, and Don't forget Black Klansman. I just said Black Klansman. Oh, okay. I said Black Klansman, Black Panther, Beale Street and Talk and Green Book. Okay, Those five. four films. But I was on the ship.
2: But but the other part about that is when you say seeing the cast walk, you're not seeing the same people in those casts either. You're seeing different people in each cast. Right. So it's a large number of African Americans and and African actors, right? So, yeah,
0: that's the other part of it. And the other part, don't forget, is that the fifth film that, that was a $100 million movie this year was Spider Man Into the Spider Verse, which is going to be nominated for Best Animated Features, so I forget the gentleman's name, uh, the director, I forget the gentleman's name, but he's also African American, so there will be at least five, hopefully, my anticipation is that there are at least five films represented at this year's Academy Awards that will have black directors in tow, Uh, one, I'm sorry, five films that will have Four of the five will have black directors. One will have a black executive producer and Octavia Spencer. Right. Peter Ramsey. Peter Ramsey. Thank you. Peter Ramsey. My, no disrespect for not remembering your name, <laughs> sir. But uh, Peter Ramsey, man, I am so excited. And we knew, and I keep telling everybody long and who will listen, that this was a conversation that we at the Black Real Awards and black journalists and film critics were having a year ago this time. Like, man... Next year is going to be a big one. Yeah. Next year is going to be a big one. And that's, that's not counting the hate you give, blind spot, and sorry to bother you, uh, Creed 2, uh, Jen, um, A Boy, A Girl, A Dream. I mean, there was so many movies this year. Man, I left out a couple of the bad ones, but that's another <laughs> story. <laughs> I started to get the bad ones to shine. Like they, eh, count. They, they count. They count. You know, acrimony, proud Mary. <laughs> wait, a minute, wait a minute. Something's common about those. two. Stop movies. it. Stop it. Stop it. <laughs> but anyway, so the Golden Globes on Sunday sort of kind of went to form. And uh, but let's look a little bit at the Critics Choice Awards. Now, this Sunday, the Critics Choice Awards, they do nominate 10 films and this week, those four movies that I told you about are all, all of them. are going to be nominated for Best Picture. Black Panther, Black Klansman, If Beale Street Can Talk, um, Green Book, along with The Favorite, uh, First Man, Mary Poppins Returns, Roma, A Star is Born, in Vice. I'm telling you right now that um, the, the sentimental choice... Would be Black Panther. (laughs) And and, and I can see a path for it at this show because I know there are a lot of critics that like that movie. Yeah, yeah. But having said that, I believe in my heart that A Star is Born or Roma is probably going to win.
2: Can I I just ask you how Mary Poppins Returns got into this list?
0: Easy, because that tells you all you need to know about the critics, man. (laughs) I'm just, I'm just keeping it real, man. Watch this. Wait, let us not have conversations about some of the early WAFCA years and some of the choices that people were making. Wow. And we were like, come on, man. <laughs> really? <laughs> <laughs> so that, that's that big category. Best Director, Damien Chazelle, Bradley Cooper, Alfonso Cuarón, Peter Farrelly, Yorgos Lanthimos, Spike Lee, and Adam McKay. Now, before I give you my pick here, I got a feeling we're about to make history again. That Spike Lee has never been nominated for Best Director. Never? I don't think oh, so. Never? I don't think so. I mean, we wow. can look it up. Hold on a second. Am I incorrect? Because if I'm incorrect, Spike you, you, Lee will you, surely curse me out on Sunday when he sees talking me. About for for the for the Critics' Choice. I'm talking about and for the Academy Award. Oh. He has won numerous. I'm reading his bio right now, including two Oscar nominations. Spike has never been nominated for Best Director, <laughs> and we've been making history, and I think this is the year that Spike is going to get nominated for this, man. So I'm really happy that, and I will tell him when, when we talk, because, uh, well, it depends on what mood he's in, because, you know, Spike is Spike, man. <laughs> <laughs> you know, hey, I'm, I'm proud of that brother, man. He is the father of black film, man, and he is a lion, to me uh you know you talk about Denzel I mean uh, not Denzel Washington Sydney Portier being the the guy who opened the door Spike Lee is to me is the man who opened the door for the, for all black directors we see now mm-hmm. he's the father of this modern generation of black directors so i am very happy for him so, as we talk about uh, some of these other directors uh, uh, or some of these other um, categories that the Critics' Choice Awards.
2: Well, well wait a minute. Did, okay. did, you, did you say who you
0: think was going to be the best director? Alfonso the- Corian. Oh, He's yeah. going to win the Oscar this yeah. year for Roma. <laughs> he basically <laughs> is, man. I, you know, I, I, did, I, hate, I hate to suck all of the drama out of this for you, but I'm just telling you what I know. And people go, well, how do you know? I don't know. All I know is that you just read the tea leaves. It's the same way I study sports and politics. I study movies. So this is stuff we know. Yep. So I think that while uh, a lot of these guys are uh, worthy, I think without a shadow of a doubt that it's going to be uh, Alfonso Cuarón this year. This seems like his year. Much in the same way that in the best actor category Christian Bale is going to win best actor this year and best actress I think is the one that's going to be interesting because it's going to either be, in my estimation, Olivia Coleman for the favorite, or it's going to be Glenn Close for the wife. Now, and that's what I'm thinking. I'm, I'm going to just say this. I'm going
2: to throw this out there because you don't think that's going to happen. But I really think that Bradley Cooper is going to win the best actor category because the work that he did on A Star Is Born was so uh, large you know, already know he can't win Best Director because Corone is there. So this is going to be their way of recognizing that what he did in that film. And I think that Bradley Cooper's going to sneak in and take away
0: that award. Now, you're talking about this Sunday? This Sunday. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, that's possible. I mean, that's possible. But I, I honestly believe, because I'm already projecting ahead, because... I'm thinking about my choices. I don't want. I don't like being surprised on Oscar <laughs> nomination day because that's the worst. Jessica, when you wake up in the morning and go, "Wait, what happened? Who? Who? What Who? You nominated? Who? <laughs> right? Look, I, oh my God! I had not seen that film when we had that, that that conversation. I was like, "What the heck is that? And I went back and saw it, and I was like, yeah, "It's okay. I mean, you know, no shade to Regina Hall. And it's funny um, as an aside because we got about. Four minutes go. It's funny When you Do this job You know For a minute Right I'm not gonna say How many years But when you do this job For a minute All the people You get a chance To interview That you forget You've talked to And you're like Oh yeah That person <laughs> I, I once had a, An interview With the two Reginas Right Really Okay Separate Of okay. course yeah, yeah, So yeah. Regina yeah. King And Regina, Regina Hall. Hall Regina Hall Mad cool You know She's from here mm-hmm. D.C. And and Regina Hall, when I interviewed her, was a woman who always played, like, the best friend. Right. So, like, in every movie, she was always, like, whoever the star was, she'd be their best friend in the film. Kind of like Octavia Spencer. Right, 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 right. And Regina Hall, to watch her evolution and growth in all of the years of her her being, like, the secondary actor to now being cast as the lead, it's really a good feeling. Same thing with Regina King. Regina King... You know, has been acting God she, since moved, the middle, since... the mid '80s, the, the mid, to late '80s. Mm-hmm. So she's she's thirty years in the game, and she is so well respected. And to see her and having talked to her and watched her in movies like Boys in the Hood and watched her in so many other things recently, to seeing this year that she's going to stand up on stage, man, they're going to put an Oscar in her hand, hmm. and that puts her in a legendary club. That is huge news. Hmm. Now the other one that we talked about is Mahershala Ali. Now, think about this for a second. Mahershala Ali just won an Oscar two years ago for Moonlight. Right. If he wins this year, he will be the fourth person in all of Hollywood history to ever be black and have won multiple competitive Oscars. Yeah. There's only three other people that have done it. Right. Russell Williams, a friend of mine, Denzel Washington, and another sound mixer, Willie Burton. So, Mahershala Ali... I call him the unlikely Don because it's like, <laughs> like, like. Maher, I, uh, he's another guy that a couple of years ago, when he finally "quote unquote" broke through, he had I want to say six movies. Two years ago, mm. he was in everything from Kicks <laughs> to yeah, Fight in yeah, Moonlight. Yeah. Um, it was he. He was a, he had a, a, a small role in Hidden Figures. I mean, Mahershala Ali was everywhere. <laughs> So now you look at him as an Oscar winner. He's got, of course, this movie this year, uh, Green Book. He's now starring in season three of True Detective. He's in Mortal Engines. I mean, this guy, Spider Man, Spider Man. I mean, Mahershala Ali, I, the unlikely Don. I, I like you think about Don <laughs> Cheadle, Will Smith, Jamie Foxx, any any bevy of actors, right? The guy that breaks through who has hardware at his house is Mahershala Mahershala Ali Ali. and may have an opportunity. He's the front runner to get his second Oscar. Huge, huge for Mahershala Ali. Props. So, uh, you know, like I said, man, we could go on and on, man. I mean, I'm thinking about uh, in supporting categories. I've told you already um, Mahershala Ali and uh, Regina Regina King. King let's say we go to best picture of course i've already told you it's going to be the roma or um a star, is, star born. is born where's my director race director race is a, is corion yeah we said who my I, 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 and i'm only interested in in, this, in the big 6 man and then also animation i'm thinking spider-man into the spider-verse so i want i want to dap up peter Ramsey. look it
2: needs to win i, I know <sighs> disney has had a lock on this category for ages and they they can maybe they can rejoice in that they have a part hand in it because it's Sony Marvel, but it, this movie was groundbreaking in its animation, and I think it it deserves to
0: win. Man, it might get upset by Isle of Dogs. <laughs> <laughs> Inside Wapka joke, people, that was funny. <laughs> when it won, I went, wait, what? Spider Man is in the Spider Verse, huh? Oh man! All right, well, the Critics Choice Awards will be on. Live Sunday night at 8 o'clock. I would say look for me, but don't look for me, man. I'll He'll just be, be there. He'll be there. I'll be in the room, but don't, don't look for me. I'm looking. Jessica's going to be looking for me. I'm like, sitting at my table like chilling. With a um, glass in his hand. Yeah. All right, man. Let's get out of here, man. We're going to come back, man, and talk on the other side, man. It's time to talk about uh, The Upside, and I want to contrast The Upside with uh, The Untouchables, which one of my favorite films. Just really rewatched it this morning. love this movie. Mm you guys keep it where you got it you listening to the big show keeping it real with film gordon 96.3 hd4 and that's dcradiogovernor we we'll be right back And welcome back to the show. Um, And as you guys know, it is that time. Now, this week's reviews are brought to you by the film Gordon. Uh, See life through the eyes of a true film addict for more reviews please read film thefilmgordon.com now this week uh, it's the uh, the first major release of the year is the upside but due to our schedule I will not have an opportunity to screen this film uh, as you know what what our schedule is and we're in the middle of award season but what I wanted to do today was to talk a little bit about the upcoming film, The Upside, and then contrasted with the French original, which was a film called The Intouchables that was released back in 2011. Now, the French version of this film and, and The Upside basically tell the same story of a quadriplegic who is looking for an assistant. And you know, he interviews a group of people and he is really not impressed by any of them because they are all are really kind of buttoned up and, you know, not bringing anything to the table to enhance his existence. And along comes this kind of, urbanized, you know, young, in in the case of the original, a young African immigrant uh, played by Omar Sy. In the upside, it is Kevin Hart playing the role. And they both come in like a bull in the china shop, basically uh, just there to each of them need paperwork filled out so that they can get their, you know, either their their welfare money or some sort of money, Uh, just an accountability, just sign this document. And in both cases, the quadriplegic is impressed by them and offers them the job on the spot. And then over the course of the film and the story, they both build a strong bond where he gives uh, the, the young man in the case of the, the either the African immigrant or Kevin Hart's character some hope and some inspiration and then in turn they inspire him as well and give him something and create this true friendship. Now the thing that's interesting about this film to me because I really went by, went back and rewatched it earlier this week. The Intouchables, which was a, a French sensation, it won uh, the French equivalent of the Academy Award, the Cesar, back in 2011 for Omar Sy. Um, Francois Cluzet played the quadriplegic in the original. Brian Cranston plays the uh plays a similar role in the upside. Um I don't remember the French woman's name who plays kind of his uh his executive assistant, but Nicole Kidman fulfills that role in the remake. And the story, which is why I was really, before before this film, they announced that they were making it. And this film was actually made in 2015. It is now, I'm sorry, 2016. And it's now just being released in 2019. Uh, my issue I had with it is that the original is such a good film. Um you have the the dynamic of, you know, two different ethnic groups or two different races, but it's not a film about race. It's a film about friendship. It's a film about class, because unlike, you know, and I hate to, to, to keep beating the Green Book analogy or Driving Miss Daisy or so many of the other westernized titles that are, are released in here are released here in stateside. But we generally look at two different societies and we kind of make buddy movies. And, you know, we try to figure out, you know, Hey, uh, let's highlight our differences or let's teach each other a a thing. Much like when you see in green book where, uh, Viggo Mortensen's character, uh, Tony lip is there for Mahershala Ali's Dr. Don Shirley, and they're sharing cultural differences and things of that nature in the untouchables. You you have a film that's never about race. I think it's more or less about class. You have a a very rich guy, a very poor guy. And inside those two dynamics, they're able to bond because as a quadriplegic, everybody's accustomed to... He's accustomed to people doing things for him, but they're just doing it out of vocation. It's just the job. Where Omar Omar Sy's character comes in, uh, and his character's name is Idris, or Driss, as he's called in the film Driz comes in and and forms a bond of true friendship so much so that there's a separation of the two and there's almost a depression from Philippe, that's the, the quadriplegic his character, who misses his friend, not necessarily the servant who helps him so I'm saying that to say that here's a movie that was released in 2011, it's now 2019 it was made in 2016 uh, it was a movie that Five years away from it being released, uh, you know, over in France, over in Europe, we remake an American version, which I thought was totally unnecessary. Um, and I'm just saying that as a person that, that every one of these European remakes usually don't turn out well because we suck a lot of the charm out of what made those films special in those countries and then we try to redo them here for American audiences look no further than films like The Secret in Their Eyes or The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo as examples of films that were done recently that were remade that did not end up well so I I have not seen the upside Um, I've I've seen some of the early reviews that have come out they're not my reviews so I wouldn't reveal what people are saying about the film but I think that there's a first of all I, I don't think it was a film that really needed to be remade I think that the original is strong enough to stand on its own um, when I watched it uh, earlier this week, it put a smile on my face. I, I looked at it and remembered some of the sequences, you know, looking at the relationship, the bond, uh how the two care for each other, how it it has comedic elements, but it's not a comedy. Um, I think that this is such a well made movie that it sets such a high bar that it's going to be hard. Uh, for the filmmakers here to have taken this, this concept and tried to remake it um, bravo to Kevin Hart though I've got to give him credit because I see that he is trying to expand his filmography and he's trying to expand his skills uh, to, to, to using the platform that he has to try to make stories that are much better unfortunately I don't think this is one that he should have taken on so that's all I have for this week. And on behalf of our producer, Jessica Sturgis, and associate producer, Charles Kirkland, as we say to you guys every week, please see something good at the movies. Until next week, I'm Tim Gordon, and I'm out.
1: Love. Let's talk about love.
3: me you could bring a bullet bring a sword bring a morgue but you can't bring the truth to me fuck you and all your expectations i don't even want your congratulations i recognize your false confidence and calculated promises all in your conversation i hate people that feel entitled look at me crazy cause i ain't